What is up, you guys? It's me, Courtney Rogers, your host of the Decoded Project podcast, which you already knew because you probably saw on your phone. But, you know, I also feel like after we get, you know, 20 or so, 30 or so episodes in, I kind of need to reintroduce myself because we might have some people who will watch this or listen to this or whatever um, from this point forward and not backward. And so, um, for those of you guys just catching today's episode, I encourage you to go not one, but two more episodes back where we talk um, and we introduce the idea of teamwork. And, um, you know, we kind of talk about, you know, are you willing to lose in order to win and then redefining what winning is. So go back to that episode and then listen to them moving forward because this will make a whole lot more sense. Um, and then last last episode, we talked about the four P's of effective teams. Um, yeah, I'm spitting bars here. Um <laughs> And today I really wanted to kind of talk about what do you do when you have a team member um, or team members that are just, you know, toxic to the team? I, I, you know, I almost hate using that word. Like I said, I feel like it's almost like a trigger word nowadays. Sorry to get some water. Um, like it almost just kind of feel like it, it's a... Um, it's overused. It's overused, right? Like, oh, toxic masculinity, toxic friendships, toxic this, I'm so toxic, whatever. Like, it's almost lost its significance and meaning. So what do you do when when you have people that you're not sure are effective? When you have people that are momentum takers, right? Excuse me, momentum breakers. And so um, if you know me, you know I am a huge John Maxwell uh, fan. And, you know, he does talk about, you know, momentum makers, momentum takers and momentum breakers. And so we're going to kind of talk a little bit about what do you do with momentum breakers on your team? What do you do with the people who who are just, you know, they're constant, they're just not getting it. They're not hopping on the train. They're they're constantly asking the questions that stop momentum from moving forward. And it's not questions like inquisitive, I want to know so I can move. It's just me. It's just question after question after question. And they're not doing anything with it. They're not being resourceful. It's almost, it's almost this, this anarchist way, right? Constantly questioning the team and questioning the vision and why we do this and why we do that. And, um, they're not making any momentum and they're sucking the energy out of the team and the life out of the team. So how, how do you deal with people like that? Okay. How do you deal with underperformers, um, and under participators? Because there are people who participate, but can't perform and that's okay. And then there are people who perform, but don't participate. And that's less okay. And then you have people who do neither. <laughs> okay. <coughs> so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, and if I don't know how old some of the people are who are listening to this, but you know, a lot of you guys do you remember the show, uh, The Weakest Link, right? And, and the host is always like, You are the weakest link. Goodbye. <laughs> and so we're going to kind of be talking about that today. What do you do with your, what do you do with your weak links? What do you do with your underperformers and under participators? And so we're going to kind of just dive right in today because I'm really trying to do a good job at making these concise. And so, um, three things, um, that I have always talked to my team about and in reading, uh, lots and lots and lots of John C. Maxwell books, he only reiterates it. And I am like, yes, my man, we are on the same page, um, is number one, not everyone will take the journey with you. You have to respect that. So many people want things. They want to lose weight. They want success. They want more money. They want whatever, right? But not everyone is willing to take that journey. Some people don't want to go. And you have to respect that. You have to also identify it, call it, and then take action 
with it and or against it or, or whatever the case might be, right? So not everyone will take the journey and you have to identify these people because you may be wanting it more for them than they want the opportunity and you really need to clarify that. Number two is not everyone should take the journey. Do they have some toxic personality traits? Um, are they poor team uh, participants and team members? Are they constantly detracting from the, from the morale and the momentum of the team? Like not everyone should take the journey. If they have a really crappy mindset and they're negative and they complain and they're, they're constantly almost putting the brakes to the momentum, they should not be taking the journey with you. They should not. And then three, lastly, is not everyone can take the journey. You know, because it's an ability issue, it's a skill issue, it's a character issue, it's a desire issue. And some things can be taught, yes, but what is your goal? Is your goal to teach and teach and teach and teach and teach and teach and teach in hopes that they get it and then you can get back to the thing and make the main thing the main thing? No. You can't take someone off the street and be like, I'm going to create you into an entrepreneur, you know? There's lots of things I might just not have the ability to do. Y'all, I suck at numbers. Like, I don't, probably because I don't like them. <laughs> like, I don't like math. I don't like numbers. So if someone was like, I will make you an accountant, I would be the shittiest accountant, y'all, okay? I, you don't, don't let me do y'all taxes, y'all budget, nothing, okay? Um, so not everyone can take the journey. I could not go be an Olympic runner. I do not have that ability. My lungs have told me so, okay? Not everyone can. And and I know sometimes as leaders, we feel like we can't do this. We feel like we can't look at someone and say, you can't do this. And so um, and I'm going to use network marketing as an example, because again, this is an incredibly volunteer-based army where we give uh, growth potential to everybody in it. And it's just kind of like, you know, anybody can, but not everybody will and not, you know, not everybody absolutely can. And I think a lot of it has to do with willingness and skill and desire. Um, and sometimes because it is such an empowering environment, a lot of leaders, a lot of people really struggle with this third part, right? Um, the you can't, the you don't have the ability. And we feel like it's prescribing some kind of limiting belief on them. But you have to understand, it doesn't mean, it just means they can't right now. It doesn't mean they never can. It just means they can't right now. And it doesn't align with you and your vision and your mission and your team and where you are going and the pace at which you are going there. And they need to get off the train. Okay. Um, if they cannot drive the train, if they are too scared, too nervous, they don't know how, they don't have the skill, they need to get off right? Or they need to take a seat. And so not everybody can take the journey. They can't keep pace with other team members. They don't grow in their area of responsibility. They don't see the big picture, right? They just don't work on their personal weaknesses. Um, they're just kind of stuck. They're just stuck there. Um, they won't really work with the rest of the team and they can't fulfill expectations. You need to identify these people and you need to kind of get rid of them. You need to call it for what it is and you need to you know, grow that backbone to say, hey, I just don't think that this aligns with your abilities or where you wanna be or maybe it's not part of your passion or personality. I just don't think we're a great fit, right? And a lot of people just don't like to do that. <laughs> 
Um, because we always think, oh, if I trained them enough or if I did this enough or whatever, oh, they'd be better. Not necessarily. Like I said, you couldn't train me enough to be a good CPA. You could not train me enough to be an Olympic marathon runner. You absolutely could not. Um, now, there is that part where you see a glimmer of potential in somebody, and if you do train them enough, and if you do believe them in them enough, and if you do equip them and develop them enough, they can rise to that expectation. And it's a very, very, very fine line, but the line nevertheless does exist, and you have to be skilled enough in discerning that line. And so you, you need to decide, am I going to do one or two things? Am I going to train them, or are I going to trade them? Because, you know, you are always choosing and you may not feel like you're choosing, but opportunity is always choosing. Let's, let's, let's uh, jump into that really quick. And so um, the stronger members of the team, so if we're talking about team, teamwork and, and here's how this plays out often, and I want you to kind of listen to these and say, does this fit my team? And holy shit balls, um, I need to fix this. <laughs> okay. Stronger members identify the weak one or the weak ones because a weak link can't hide unless they're in a group of weak people. So if you have people who are continuously complaining about one or two or three members, chances are they are the stronger members who have identified the weaker members and you can't ignore that. Well, you also have another choice. And again, these are um, so these are the things that will happen if you keep the weak link present in the team. If you if you don't fire them, if you don't replace them, if you don't trade them, if you whatever, right? So these these are some things that can happen. And number one, the strong members identify the weak one. Okay, they are very aware of who it is, and so then maybe what they do is maybe they can help the weak one. They take on more of a load in order to help the weaker one thinking maybe if we lighten the load a little bit, they'll take on more responsibility, like smaller chunks at a time. Um, or they assume that it will make their job easier, even though they're taking on more work, it'll essentially make their job easier because the weaker link won't constantly be dropping as many balls. And they can ignore the person and allow the team to suffer, right? Um, or they can help them and make the team more successful, which is usually sometimes what they'll do. And, and I think depending on what your stronger members of the team decide to do is based on how well you have developed them and also based on your tribe mentality. And if you know me, you know I love reading books. Um, and I have, uh, if you never have, read Tribal Leadership. It's so good. It tells you kind of um, why your team will do or why your tribe will do what they do. And so this one, you know, people who the stronger members have to uh, help the weaker one is there's two courses of action which is, you know, they might ignore the person and allow the team to suffer as a whole because they look at it like, I'm just going to stay in my lane and do what I do. Um, <clears throat> and that's something that's like a level one or two or maybe even three kind of tribe mentality. Or they can help them and make the team more successful. If they're team players, they'll help, right? If they're a part of that tribal mentality. Um, this can also come with some consequences depending on um, how mentally strong your stronger team members are and how long they have to do it. And so the three is the stronger members become resentful of the weaker tribe member, right? The weaker of, of the, of the teammates. And this is whether strong members help or not, 
the result will always be the same resentment. They will begin to roll their eyes every time they do something. They will constantly have this jargon and this this speech where it's it's very negatively framed around this person. Like, oh yeah, well don't give it to Joe. We know that he won't do it, right? I'll just take it. Or oh yeah, that oh that project's gonna come out real great. You know, oh, someone put it on Karen's desk. I can only imagine, right? So there's this resentment and there's also this kind of resentment of they always get away with stuff. They don't have to do as much because if you're a leader and you are afraid to get rid of the weaker link or the weaker links, you don't want to give them tasks. So you'd naturally take their tasks and give them to the stronger ones. That is going to create resentment, not only for the weaker teammate, but for you. Okay. Think of it like in your family, if you're if you're a multiple child family and Susie can't do the dishes because she just doesn't want to or she complains or she's all like, right? And you're the you're the the older brother or the older sister who has to do more chores because Sally won't, you become resentful of that. And of your parents. Because you're like, what gives, bro? What gives? Um, also what can happen is the stronger members become less effective and it can be by choice or it can just be by product. Because carrying someone else's load in addition to your own is exhausting, it's tiring, and it compromises your own performance because you're you're doing more with the same amount, right? So um, I will naturally be slower in hiking if I have to carry your backpack and mine. I will just naturally be slower, even if I'm stronger. Um, also, it could just be because they may not want to. So it may be because it's generally harder to carry more tasks with the same abilities or the same time or the same effort, but also because they just don't want to. They become less effective because they say, screw it, right? I'm just going to half-ass my job and your job since I'm doing both jobs because this is my cap for the effort output that I have, and I don't have enough in the effort bank to give to both accounts. <laughs> so I have to give half of this account and half of that account, right? Half of this energy, half of that energy, half of this effort, half of that effort. And now nothing really gets done to its fullest potential. And so stronger team members become less effective. And then lastly, and I see this happen a lot, is if, if you know, we go through the gamut of these five things and we get to this fifth one, this always inevitably happens. And if you're the leader, you know when it happens. Um, and if you've been unlucky enough to suffer one of <laughs> through one of these events, you know, and maybe you're going through it now and you're like, oh, shit, whoops. Um, is the stronger members begin to question the leader's ability? <coughs> Excuse me. That one got me because I was choking on my spit. Um <laughs> Because I have seen it happen so much. I have seen it happen with myself. I have seen it happen with other leaders I have coached and trained. I have seen it in my own leaders um, and my own mentors. I have seen it like in so many different fields of, you know, careers. Uh, I see it happen all the time with my husband who's active duty military. I mean, I think it's just in general. And so anytime the leader allows a weak link to remain a part of the team, the team members are forced to compensate for the weak person and begin to doubt the leader's courage and discernment. And again, if we're going back to that tribal leadership, they will always look to the leader as saying, you should take care of this. 
you aren't protecting the tribe because you are compromising its quality by allowing this person to exist here. So you lose the respect of the best people when you don't deal properly with the worst. And so you are always making the decision. If other people on the team make decisions for you because you're unwilling or you're unable to make them, then your leadership is being compromised and you're not serving them well. If other people feel it, they need to be like, hey, Courtney, um, one thing we've noticed is blah, blah, blah. Or they feel like they have to start making decisions for you. That is where things get really wonky. And another thing too is, is that, you know, like we talk about the team should always be chosen over an individual. And so you are always choosing your actions are always making a choice, whether you feel like you are making a choice or not. And so Sometimes we feel like a lack of action will result in the problem taking care of itself. We feel like, well, if we just ignore that person, if we just ignore that behavior, it'll eventually go away. I'm just going to give my attention to the people who are doing really good things, which is really funny because as a human behaviorist, that actually is really effective with eradicating behavior. But here's the thing. It's when you're kind of duck with a person, right? Like a, like a kid or yourself or whatever. Ignoring bad behavior and rewarding positive behavior is always more effective. But when you are part of an organization or a team or something else, you need to cut off what is unproductive. You need to cut off and remove that weaker link because it really destroys momentum and you're always choosing. Because eventually the weak link robs the team of its momentum and potential because you can only go, right, they say you're only as strong as your weakest link. That's very true. You are only as strong as your weakest link. You are only as competent as the least competent person on the team. And I'm going to give an example in here and I'm going, um, into John C. Maxwell's book, The 17 Indisputable Laws of Teamwork. And when I was reading this, this part like hit me, yo, like it hit me so hard in the face. Because again, remember what I said? I said, I am not a number. If you were in the, the other um, episode, I, was, I am not a numbers person. <laughs> I just don't get numbers or whatever. It's so, like when they broke this down using numbers, I was like, oh my God. Um, okay, so let's talk about something really quick, right? So if we're talking about people and we're talking about, um, you know, the, the weakest link in the ability. And, and so uh, it says one reason that the more competent people have to give their team to compensate for those who don't carry their share of the load, the greater the difference in competence between the more accomplished performers and the least accomplished performers, the greater the detriment to the team. So what he's saying is... Um, the, the bigger the gap between the most competent people and the least competent people means that there is a bigger problem. <laughs> so he uses numbers. He says, you know, if you were to rate people on their abilities from one to 10, one being the worst, 10 being the highest, and you had four people who were tens and one person who was a five, you may not think that that's that bad, right? Because if you're just adding their efforts, 10 plus 10 plus 10 plus 10 plus five is 45, Right. But if you if you've ever been on a team, you know that when you add people together, you don't just add their efforts, you compound them, you multiply them. 
So now let's do this. Right. It says, but once a team comes together and starts to develop chemistry and synergy and momentum, it analogs to multiplication. Right. We're not just adding our efforts. We are multiplying them. We are compounding them. And that's when the weak link really starts to hurt the team. So remember that same analogy where we said 10 plus 10 plus 10 plus 10 plus 5 is 45. Now... What we're going to do is we're going to multiply it because now we're becoming a team. We're working on chemistry and synergy and we're creating momentum. So we have to multiply. So let's take that same thing. 10 times 10 times 10 times 10 times 5, okay, is 50,000. Woo, that's a bigger number, right? That's awesome. That's pretty cool. 45, you know, compared to 50,000, not so bad, right? Okay, well, here's the thing. There's five people on a team and four of them are 10s and one of them is five, and you multiply them, that's 50,000. Now I want you to take those same five people and I want you to replace that fourth, per, uh, that fifth person. And I want you to replace them with a 10. So now you have a, t a five person team and they're all tens. If you're a math person, you know where I'm going with this. Do you know what that end number is? 10 times 10 times 10 times 10 times 10? 100,000. You're like, ooh, Courtney, that's a big number. Yeah. Did you forget the number I just said when that one person, right? You're thinking it's just one person. It's just that one individual. It's not that bad. Go back. That team of five that has four tens and one five, it was 50,000. You replace that one person and make them a 10. It is 100,000. That is double the effectiveness. Double. I'm yelling. Hold on. Sorry. It is double the effectiveness. And all you did was change one person. You changed the effectiveness of one person who was a five, but now is a 10. Or you switched them out. You fired the five and hired a 10. Or you developed the five into a 10, whatever. But you changed the team average by double. Or if you want to think about it, that's a difference of 50%. When you replace them with a five, you cut the effectiveness in half. I want you to think about this right now. Like, really lament on this right now. If you are frustrated with your team, if you are frustrated with your trajectory, with your momentum, with where you're going, with if you are a coach and you have a team of people working with you, if you are network marketing with a team of people, if you are the head of Chick-fil-A working with a team of people, doesn't matter. Think of your weakest link. You know who they are. You know. You probably know all of them. They are cutting your effectiveness by 50% or more. If you only have one person who is a weaker link and, and they are drastically weaker than the rest, then it is at least 50% effectiveness, if not more. Because here's the thing is chances are you don't have a team full of 10s and one five. You might have one 10 and the rest are fives, fours, threes, maybe a six. It all makes sense now, doesn't it? It all makes sense as to why your effectiveness is so low, why your momentum is so low, why your morale is so low. Because again, if you listen to John C. Maxwell, if you read his books, if you listen to me at all, you know, like morale precedes success. Morale precedes speed. So, the weak link will eventually rob the team of their momentum and their potential. The pace is determined by the weakest link, not by the leader of the pack. 
because I want you that you are all chained together, right? You are all tethered together. You are a team, you are tethered together. So it doesn't matter how fast the leader is. It only matters how slow the weakest link is. And like I said, oftentimes what we do is we feel the need to keep them when all we need to do is sever the tie. This is where we will probably get into in future episodes, probably not the next, but future episodes about how to address the weakest link, how to fix that problem, how to address and call to attention uh, people who are momentum breakers and what to do with them so that we can then choose the team over the individual. We can choose effectiveness over coddling. Um, Because here's the thing is, When you don't make a choice, the choice is already being made for you and you are choosing the weaker, you are choosing to keep the weaker link around versus choosing to push forward the momentum of the stronger ones. And like we talked about earlier in the episode, that has consequences. So you really need to get tough with yourself and think about this. And maybe you feel like you're the weakest link, right? Maybe you're like, oh, crap. (laughs) So what are you going to do to pick up the pace to align your passions and your purpose together? And, and, and if you're not placed somewhere you feel valued or you feel like your passion and your purpose align, reach out to somebody, reach out to one of your leaders or your managers or whoever your boss and just say, Hey, I think I would be best utilized here. And, and I would really love if I could do this because this is a skill I feel really, really confident in. And then you give yourself an opportunity to excel in that area. And then again, you kind of prove yourself. Give, give yourself an opportunity to prove what you can do when you're placed properly. But if you're still failing, the placement isn't the problem, you're the problem. So um, that's what I encourage you to do. Well, I know that that was probably a little bit more of a hard-hitting episode than some people wanted to hear, but it is incredibly necessary because we don't talk about it a lot in this industry of leadership and team development, organizational development, but it is so true and absolutely very necessary. So while we love people and, you know, here at the Courtney Rogers brand, we value people over profit, but sometimes, again, it's not about the profit, it's about the quality of people, um, and some, not everybody is of the same quality, and maybe they don't care to, maybe they don't want to, maybe they don't have it right now, the ability, whatever we just learned about is up to you as a leader to really use that discernment uh, to protect the quality and the caliber of your team and of your tribe over the in, over the feelings of one individual. So if you found some value in this today, go ahead and screenshot it, add it to your stories, tag me at the CourtneyRogers.co, C-O, and let me know your biggest takeaway. Um, let me know some things that really resonated with you. And also if you ever, like I say, if you ever have any ideas or, or things that you want me to talk about here on the podcast, let me know, put it in that story. Um, and again, don't forget to tag me so that I can see it and make note of it and add it to future episodes. But um, I will let you guys go. Thanks so much for hanging with me for these past 28 minutes. Um, until then, I'll I'll catch you in the next episode.